Welcome to Truth Script Tuesday. It'll be a short episode today because we only have two articles to look at. Uh, but uh, I am in, for those wondering, my my winter clothes here. I was actually just outside uh, shoveling some snow. We had about, oh, I don't know, two inches at least uh, today. And, uh, you know, it's powdery kind of in the morning. But then uh, as the afternoon progressed and it's gotten cold and evening is upon us, it's just I, I was actually just out there driving also to pick up something from the store for my wife. And man, you don't want to be out. <laughs> I just I don't like it. It makes me nervous. I've, I've had some bad experiences in the past driving in the snow, too. So maybe that's part of it. But uh, anyway, that's why I look the way I look. And uh, it's warm inside, which is nice. My wife's actually just preparing supper right now. And so I'm smelling that. I'm smelling some good onions. And uh, I thought this was a good time in the day for me to talk about some of these articles. And I read them uh, actually earlier today. And, um, and and as always, I mean, it, it's just great stuff TruthScript is putting out. And what you won't find on TruthScript is a whole article lionizing Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> like you will on the Gospel Coalition website or uh, Relevant Magazine or some of those other publications. Uh, not on TruthScript. TruthScript is different. And that's one of the reasons I think uh, people are starting to support TruthScript. And there's some momentum building. And we have a lot of things planned this year and even things we're talking about for years down the road that uh, I'm very much looking forward to. But if you want to support the mission of TruthScript, it is a 501c3. You can go to truthscript.com. And uh, while you're there, just scroll down to the bottom. Uh, put yourself on the email list. That's uh, That pops up right away. And you'll get notified when there's new articles. And uh, if you go to the bottom, there's a donate tab. There's also a publish tab if you want to write for TruthScript. We appreciate our writers. And there's been some really good writers who have contributed that uh, normally uh, you probably wouldn't hear from. They're, they're just, they're laymen. They're, and some of the best articles, I have to admit, have been laymen uh, who just have uh, some, some really good skills in writing. So um, right now, the featured article is uh, the indispensable. Oh, actually, I just reloaded the web page. It's not the featured article. I, I thought it was wrong. <laughs> so uh, the, the article that's featured is actually about the worldwide flood. So we're going to get to that last. Uh, the one that I want to talk about first here is uh, called Cats in the Cradle and the Indispensable Nature of Fatherhood. Now, Seth Brickley uh, is, uh, if you go to conferences at the top, I should mention this. Uh, that's not, yeah, the I don't know, conferences has uh, some some swag. <laughs> I think we're going to correct that soon. That'll probably be under a different tab, but uh, you can get a TruthScript sweatshirt and a uh, TruthScript hat. I didn't actually know that you could get that. <laughs> so this is news to me, but uh, it's it, it's under the conference tab right now. So if you if you want that swag, I guess go to the conferences. I, I think that'll be corrected uh, soon probably and put under a different tab. But um, th there's a, uh, a tab here for the Eureka TruthScript Conference 2024. If you click on that, Seth Brickley's picture is right there. Uh, he's the pastor who's hosting this. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, this is going to be in Wisconsin, in St. Croix Falls. So check it out. David Wheaton, Russell Fuller, Seth Brickley, Jeff Cleaver. I'm going to be there. Uh, it, and we're, you're not, not really that far from the Twin Cities. So um, anyway, uh, let's get to the article by Seth Brickley. And of course, he's talking about the song uh, Cats in the Cradle. And I'm trying to think, was it, was it Cat Stevens? Was that the guy? I think it was who, who made it popular. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it's uh, written by a guy named Harry Chapin, I guess. Uh, and so he talks about uh, this song. If you haven't heard it, I would actually suggest 
going to YouTube or wherever you listen to music and just type in Cats in the Cradle and listen to it. It's a great song. And the, the whole premise of the song is that there's a father who doesn't have time to spend with his son. His son is asking to spend time with his father and the father just says basically, you know, I can't. There, there's planes to catch. There's bills to pay. Um, he, it says he, meaning the son, learned to walk while, uh, while the dad was away and he was uh, talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. So the kid's growing up and the dad's too busy. And uh, the chorus is the cats in, uh, and the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. And so references to, to the th things of childhood, uh, the, the things that the nursery rhymes and, and, and stories that the dad would normally be reading to the child. He's not doing that. that. That's part of the child's life, but it's not coming from the dad. And he's just waiting for the dad. And so then the dad gets older, of course, and the son uh, doesn't have time for the dad. So he did become like his dad. And the dad now has time and wants to spend time with his son and it's too late. So it's a sad song. I mean, it's, it's tragic in a way, and it probably brings some guilt on people who have followed this particular uh, course of action in their life. Um, but, it, you know, he just says basically in the song or in the article, Seth Brickley does, Pastor Seth Brickley, uh, that um, the father did fail. Like there's no sugarcoating it. And the song teaches what not to do, Right. And so he says, just as a father was not committed to his son, so his son as an adult had no sense of fulfilling his obligation of being involved in his father's life. A wise son, though, makes his father proud, Proverbs 15, 20. But his father didn't set him up well. He also turned out foolish as he was raised to be and brought grief to his father, Proverbs 17, 25. So um, he brings in some scriptural teaching on this uh, about the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4 talks about this, this duty. Uh, that fathers have. King Solomon called fathers to train up a child in the way he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. Um, children must be taught their need for a savior, uh, John 3, 16, and their need to live under his lordship, Luke 9. And so he, he just talks about the, the fact that God does give a responsibility to fathers. And, and one of those things, one of the most important things is instructing children in the ways of the Lord. And, and that's a time that uh, also bonds a child to the father because they're both under the same Lord. And the time goes so fast. And I mean, I, I actually, I was reading these last three paragraphs. I was thinking about myself just because my wife is pregnant. And uh, I was like, you know, it, it's, I was talking to her the other day and she's like, she's like, I'm half done with the pregnancy almost like, or, or maybe she is. I, I see, I'm, can't remember. I think she's about half done. But I was like, that can't be like, you just got pregnant. What do you mean? Um, and, and so it goes it, that even the pregnancy is going fast. And so uh, everything in life just goes fast. And so as a kid growing up, it seemed like time just kind of stood still. Right. You, you uh, spent the summer with your friends. Ho hopefully, if you had a decent childhood, you uh, spent a lot of time uh, playing and uh, going to school and learning. But it just seemed like days lasted and days just fly by. They just fly by. Weeks fly by. Years fly by. It's unbelievable. And, and I've been told by folks who are older that it just keeps getting faster and faster the older you get. And so this particular um, article just kind of, it, it definitely hit me, which I'm thankful for Seth Brickley writing it. Uh, Harry Chapman doesn't appear to have been a believer, but his song Cats in the Cradle 
uh, highlights the biblical call for fathers. And the, the sad part, too, I didn't know this. He talks about Harry Chapman actually died, I guess, very young. I think he was in his 30s. His son was only nine. Um, he was 38 when he died. That's super sad. Super sad. But a good reminder to invest in the things that matter and the responsibilities that God gives us matter. And people matter. And especially the people that if you're a father or mother that you've made, essentially. So the next um, article is uh, by my brother, David Harris. It says, does belief in a worldwide flood matter? Does belief in a worldwide uh, flood matter? You know, I'm just going to give you a little aside here. When I was at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, I was surprised a little when I got there to find uh, some of the professors did not believe in a literal Genesis. In fact, my theology professor uh, did not believe in a literal Genesis. And it just kind of shocked me a little. I just thought, whoa, you know, I, I grew up in a an environment, at least where Christians, where that was expected. And I think part of the reason, too, is that uh, growing up in such a, a liberal area, the Christians who were around, who were active, who were vocal, tended to be more conservative and they knew what they were fighting. They knew it or they knew what what they disapproved of and, and they knew what the world was. And going to college, uh, the, the Christians that I was friends with, the people in the Christian group that I was part of, I mean, they pretty much all believed in a literal Genesis, uh, literal, not meaning wooden, but like a grammatical historical approach to Genesis. That the words mean what they say they mean. Day means day. Right. So um, so, so that was kind of new for me. I mean, I, I, I knew people. Uh, obviously, I, I did meet people along the way, even um, people in my area and, and family members, too, who did not believe in certain aspects of this. But um, I was a little surprised at, at a supposedly conservative seminary to, to encounter that. And I remember I'll, I'll just say this, too. I was at a uh, Bible study at a guy's house who was um, kind of he, he, I guess he's got a prominent position in the SPC, you could say. And uh, he remember it was one night. I was, I don't remember what I was talking about. Maybe the Ark Encounter came up because I think it was, it was pretty new and we were maybe talking about that, but something, something came up and uh, he looked at me and he said, cause, cause I had said something about that. I, I liked Ken Ham's ministry. All right. I said, yeah, Ken Ham, Ken Ham's got some good stuff. And uh, he, he looked me in the eye and he said, Ken Ham is a charlatan. And I was just like, whoa. And, um, it just blew me away that, you know, it wasn't just, I disagree. It was like, no, these young earth creationist types, they're, they're subversive. They're uh, actually, they're making us look bad and they're uh, telling us things that aren't true. And so this is alive and well, just so you know, in supposedly conservative seminaries, it is not just the woke stuff that's happening. There are, there's higher critical things that are happening. Uh, and, and some people won't, don't consider that higher critical, but it is, it is part of that. All right, now to the article, all right? Um, why does belief, let's answer this question. Why does it matter? Well, um, David talks about kind of like, since he had a similar upbringing, uh, that there's been a shift in overall interest in origins-related issues. You had debates over millions of years and biological evolution. Um, and now the, the discussions with secularists, because it used to be those kinds of objections, are more like LGBT issues and their social issues, um, slavery, that kind of thing. So that's kind of it's not that that wasn't present, but even 10, 15 years ago, 15 years ago, more so, I guess, when I was involved, uh, I remember our non-discrimination policy at the secular university I was at 
didn't even mention transgenderism, right? <laughs> I don't, it didn't even mention homosexuality, to be honest with you. Uh, it, it mentioned uh, the other stuff, uh, you know, if you're a racial minority or a woman or you know, I don't remember the categories, religion, creed, it didn't mention that stuff. So that's how long ago, I guess it was. It was a different world in a way. But, um, you know, now if you go do evangelism on a college campus, they're going to bring up homosexuality right away. It's not going to be evolution, but evolution still matters. And so does a, a literal Genesis. And, and it really it's about the authority of Scripture. And so it, he talks about um, the fact that. Genesis, a plain reading of the text would lead you to believe that it's a worldwide flood. It's a global event. Uh, the reason for that being that uh, the the mountains themselves, it says, were all covered. And so it, you have to impose something outside the text to come up with the idea that this is just a local flood. And, and Gavin Ortland just did that recently. So I think that's why he's writing this. But he, he says that major publications like Christianity Today, the Gospel Coalition, um, uh, they avoid these topics. Uh, it, it's not a, a stress topic. It, it's in the realm of like eschatology for them. Um, the fact that major Christian institutions of learning are full of prominent men who do not believe in literal Genesis lends itself to an underplaying and general avoidance of the topic to prevent disunity. And he talks about the parallels with COVID, which I thought was interesting uh, since 2020. There's been a striking parallel between Christians leaders who either pushed or were loosely supportive of draconian COVID protocols and soft peddling or nuancing the Genesis account. There's exceptions, but I think that's this is by and large. I think that's true. The people who tend to want social acceptance and academic acceptance, especially they're going to, especially when it's fields outside of their own. Right. If they're a theology professor and they're looking at medical stuff. There's there's sort of like a guild uh, admiration they have. I mean, they want to be accepted by those people as smart and intelligent. And I do think probably nothing else. I I, I question the motives based on that. I think that really drives a lot of it. Uh, and so it, it would make sense that people who would be supportive of those COVID protocols would also be against a uh, a, a wooden or not a wooden sorry a literal uh, grammatical historical interpretation of Genesis uh, that. Uh, would lend itself to a young earth perspective or a global flood or those kinds of things. Um, so anyway, uh, the language here, Eretz for earth, whole, uh, coal for whole, used in Genesis uh, 7. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. It's been a while since I had uh, my beginning Hebrew class. So um, these words, even when used together, can refer to specific regions and not only the entire earth. I guess that's possible. Uh, this is true, but doesn't do anything to disprove a global flood, as the reverse would also be true, because sometimes the words do refer to the whole earth. The, the uh, pains taken in Genesis 6 through 8 to stress that the mountains were covered are strange if the flood was not global. This argument clearly demonstrates a need to find something in the text that conveys the mere possibility that the flood was not global, begging the question, why? What is the point? So what's the motive here? Questioning the motive. The motive is, is not to be faithful to the text. What did Jesus believe? Jesus believed in a literal Genesis. Um, scoffers will come in the last days. Uh, and it says in 2 Peter 3 that the scoffers who come will uh, say, where is the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. They deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that, then existed was deluged with water and perish. But the word, the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire. 
So in the same way that the earth is going to be judged, a worldwide judgment on the earth with fire, that is parallel to the worldwide judgment in the flood. So if you don't, if you believe the flood is local, then why not believe that the coming judgment of the Lord is also just going to be a local thing, right? That that would make sense. Uh, I don't think Gavin Ortland is writing articles on that, but that would his logic would 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 hold if that's what he said. Um, so is belief in a global flood required for salvation? Well, no. Um, through God's grace, he saves even those with simple faith as well as those with bad theology. So salvation is through Christ alone. But if we pick and choose what to believe, contingent on how they mesh with the current narratives, we may say we're trying to uphold our witness, but we're actually just trying to gain acceptance from the world. So uh, this is an article just really addressing some basic things, but th some things that need to be said because uh, you know, guess what? The publications that are generally popular that Christians are going to frequent, uh, they're not going to be taking to task Gavin Ortland for uh, his new, I guess it was a video teaching or something he put out, but it gained some traction on Twitter uh, to try to say that the flood is a local event. They're just not going to tackle that thing. It's too controversial. Um, it, it makes us look like, uh, you know, hayseed hillbillies or something, because that's not what people in academia say. Well, People in academia now think that boys are girls and girls are boys. So it's not really that big of a, a deal to challenge the prevailing narratives of our time. And that's one of them, uh, that there could not have been a global flood. Why, why is that? Well, because if there was, maybe the Bible's true. And if the Bible's true and you can take it literally, well, I think Second Peter says it well. Uh, it's because of sin that people suppress that truth. So um, those are the two articles for today. Like I said, a short truth script Tuesday. Um, and if you want to support the ministry, then go to truthscript.com. If you want to contribute an article, go to truthscript.com and scroll to the bottom of the page. Uh, more coming next week. There's going to be a discussion between David, my brother, and Jamie. Um, I hope I'm saying his name right. I think it's it's uh, Brambrick, but he is a pastor in Ireland or Orland. I think is the I'm probably really not pronouncing that well. Uh, who he has done some work on immigration. And of course, Ireland is experiencing that too. It's, it's just amazing. It's like every country just about it, except for like, you know, I guess Poland and uh, what, Czechoslovakia. And uh, there's, I mean, there's a few like countries in formerly Eastern Bloc countries, Hungary, I think, that aren't experiencing this. But um, <laughs> the vast majority of European countries are experiencing immigration crises and of course the United States is. And so they're going to talk about that. I think that's going to be a good discussion. You're going to want to tune in for it uh, next True Script Tuesday. So God bless. More coming by now.